0: So this morning, our text is Exodus 20, 14, which says, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Do not mislead your neighbor. The opposite of misleading is to lead. God's called us to lead. And if you'll allow me this opportunity, I believe that God is speaking to me about a leadership moment. So I want to switch gears, and I I want to talk to you about something different. I want to talk to you this morning about breakthrough. I want to talk to you this morning about living your life as a champion. Because God has so much more for you than what you're currently experiencing. Let me say that again. God has so much more for you than what you're currently experiencing. And and we all too often, we miss it. We miss it. Whenever I, whenever I ponder the, the scripture that God impressed upon my heart during worship, I regularly think of, of this image. And it's the image of a It's the image of a mom and she's she's putting her son to bed she shared with him a bedtime story. They've said their prayers and she's leaning in to kiss him on the cheek, and he, he asks this question, Mom, when's daddy coming? It catches her off guard, and she has to steady herself. A tear falls from her cheek to his as she says this, I, I, don't, I don't know, baby, just, just pray. She gives him a second kiss. She tucks him in a little bit tighter. She steps from, her, from his room into her room and she collapses in her bed and now it's not one tear, it's a steady flow of tears. As she cries out to God because what she told her son was only partially true, she does not know when her husband's coming home. She doesn't know if he's coming home because 13 miles away, he's part of the battle line. And day after day, For 40 days, a giant over nine feet tall has defied him and the army he's a part of to send a man to fight. And the fate of a nation hangs in the balance. And so she begins to cry out to God. In desperation, not knowing that her prayer has already been answered. And it's been answered in the form of a shepherd boy. When you got up this morning and you looked in the mirror, you might not have looked and said, there is a spiritual champion. Maybe you've never spoken that over yourself. Maybe life's journey has got you to a place where you just feel wore out. Well, friend, it's not an accident that you're here this morning. And it's not coincidence that God said, Ed, I want you to shift your message. Because God has a prophetic word for you. Because He has called you, He's equipped you, He's given you this wonderful opportunity. To experience the joy and the victory of living as a spiritual champion. So I want, I want to talk to you about, about how you do that this morning. let take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter. And 1 Samuel, 17th chapter, it tells us this, right at the beginning of that chapter, it tells us this: that the Philistine army has amassed at Sukkot. They're, and they're uh, right, right along the valley of elah and they've drawn up their battle lines to do battle against the armies of israel there with king saul among his men is an incredible warrior named eliab he's impressive His younger brother, Abinadab, is there with him as well. Their youngest brother, David, is 13 miles away. The scripture tells us this, that David would go back and forth from the battle line to his father. and David would make sure that his father was taken care of and he would watch over the flocks. And it tells us there in 1 Samuel 17 that that David's father, Jesse, said, said to his son, Son, I want you to go up to the battle line. I want you to take your brother some food. I want you to check on them and see what's going on. Hopefully you can bring me back a good report. So David leaves early in the morning, and he makes his way from Bethlehem in the fields of Bethlehem to the Valley of Elah. Again, some, some 13 miles, knowing David's physical condition, it probably takes him an hour and 40 minutes to get there. An hour, 40 minutes to two hours. And, and when he gets there, he gets there right at the time that this champion from Gath named Goliath, that he steps into the valley and says to the israeli army there is no need for all of us to fight send me a man if i defeat him you all become our slaves if he defeats me we will all become your slaves and the entire army of israel runs in fear God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. And we, we recognize that there are giants in the land. We hear their voice. We are impacted by their threats. But God, we thank you that you have a plan for us. You have a path for us. In fact, it's your desire for us to live as spiritual champions. So, God, let your biblical directive let it let it spark a fire in us this morning. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Here is what I want you. Here is what I want you to notice. Some just a few truths I want to give you this morning on on how to live as a spiritual champion. The first thing that we see in this story from 1 Samuel 17 is this. Friend, if you're going to live as a spiritual champion, you cannot follow the crowd. Champions do not follow the crowd. As David gets there to the battle line, here's what he finds. He finds all of Israel's military might running in fear. When I think about this, I think about it in stark contrast to 9-11. When those policemen and firefighters, when they're making their way up the towers as everybody else is running down the towers... Champions run in when everyone else runs away. Champions run in when everyone else runs away. God has not called you to live in anxiety. God has not called you to live in timidity. God has not called you to live in fear, but he's called you to live with a spirit of power. With wisdom, with his presence that makes all the difference in the world. Because, see, here's God's promise over you. When you go through the fire, you will not be burned. When you go through the water, you will not be consumed. In fact, God's word says this. As you walk in accordance to his word, you will be like a tree planted by the water whose leaves never wither, who brings fruit in its season. And everything that you do, everything that you do, everything that you do will prosper. See, that's God's promise, and God keeps each and every one of his promises. Why then, friend, why then do we live our life in so much fear and anxiety and timidity? You know what amazes me? It amazes me that less, that less than ten percent of all Christians witness. By the way, a little, a little highlight on next Sunday's sermon. If you're not leading, you're misleading. You are called to be salt and light. You're called to be a witness in your world. You're called to live your life as a as a champion. And to do that, we cannot follow the crowd. We can't do it. And anytime, anytime, listen, anytime you choose to be different, anytime you choose to not follow the crowd, you're gonna have more than your share of critics. And what you can't do is this is you can't give in to the critics. You can't listen to the critics. And, and you know what I have found? I have found this. Are you ready? The biggest critics tend to be the people that are the closest to you. David sees what's going on and he goes, whoa, 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 wait, wait. Why is everybody running away? Didn't you hear? Yeah, but who is this? Who is this this nine-foot-tall giant compared to our God? I don't understand it. And... The king is offering this incredible reward for somebody to to stand and fight this giant. Wait, wait, what did he say? What did he say he'll do? Let me get this right. He'll give you a handsome reward. You don't have to pay taxes. That sounds good already. You get his daughter's hand in marriage. What does she look like? Because let's be honest, that could be a blessing or a curse. (laughs) And and as as David's older brother Eliab hears this, you see it there in 1 Samuel 17, he says, what's with you, you conceited little brat? You simply came up here to watch something. You ought to be ashamed of yourself that you would leave our father alone and that you would leave the flocks untended the whole reason you came up here was simply for a show. Now here's what we know, because Scripture tells us this. That was not the motivation of David to go, was it? Why did David go? David went because he was directed by the Father. And in that moment, David is not an opportunist. Here's what David is. David is absolutely filled with righteous indignation that that this pagan giant would defy the armies of the living God. And yet in that moment, his brother, his own brother, speaks criticism over him. And oftentimes, if you're going to choose to live as a spiritual champion, the biggest criticism is going to come from the people that are closest to you. We shouldn't be surprised by that, and we shouldn't be overwhelmed by it. It's going to come. That criticism is going to come. And what we have to do is this is we have to we have to make that determination. Am I going to strive to please God or men? It's a question that Paul asked. Am I now striving to please God or men? For if I'm striving to please men, I am not a bond of Christ. I cannot follow the crowd and I cannot give in to the critics. And, and can I offer you this? The criticism comes. The criticism comes. It's probably, let me speak very personally for a moment, it's probably the toughest part of the role that I'm in is the criticism. See, there's a a third of you that are in the room right now that you think the temperature is too hot. There's a third of you that think the temperature is too cold, and there are a third of you right now that are going, how do I feel about the temperature? (laughs) There are two of you that are happy. And i just like to thank you for being here this morning because it makes all the difference in the world for me. Right? The pastor preached too long. He didn't preach long enough. He quenched the spirit. He allowed craziness to go on. For am I now striving to please God or men? For if I'm striving to please men, I am not a bondservant of Christ. Here's what I've learned. If I'm going to be a, spirit champion, a spiritual champion, I cannot follow the crowd, and I cannot give in to the critics. Can't do it. As we, as, we, as, we, as we weave through the story, we find this happens. Saul hears word that David's asking questions. And so he calls for David. And when David comes, Saul's disappointed. He's like, this is not what I expected. David said, king, don't lose heart. I'll fight the giant. And the king goes, oh, David. David, David, David. David. This champion has been fighting since he was a youth. And you are only a youth. Now, I want to give you a perspective. Hey, you. You. She doesn't know what I'm talking to her. She's doing all this. Translations. She doesn't know what I'm talking to her. She's doing all this. And just let me borrow your chair for just a second. Let me have your chair, okay? Come here, come here. Yeah. So, scripture tells us this, the height of David, and, and depending on there's some there's some dispute on on how big a cubit is, but David is either nine feet three inches tall or slightly over thirteen feet tall. So conservatively nine feet tall. Okay. This is is this a little bit intimidating? Okay? No? Here's what I need. I need a 28-foot spear that has a, that has a arrow, or 17-pound arrowhead on the top of it. Right? This is the difference between David and Goliath. Okay? I'd squash you like a bug, but I'm not going to. Here, you can have your chair back. Thank you. And that's the reason why... Saul said, Wait, wait, David, now here's the here's the thing that's goofy about the story. Are you ready? When Saul a few chapters earlier when Saul's named as the king over israel here 's what we know about Saul Saul is the biggest strongest guy in all of Israel Saul is very impressive in his physical stature he is one serious dude if anyone should fight Goliath it should be Saul because Saul is according to scripture he 's the biggest tallest strongest guy in all of Israel but he 's hiding in fear and David this little kid comes up and says i 'll fight him and so Saul goes, yeah, that's not a good idea. But Saul doesn't go, you're right, David, you're right. Somebody's got to do I'll do it. He just goes, David, this isn't a good idea. And David says, oh, but I'll do it. And he goes, okay. David says to him, king, don't lose lose heart. When I've watched over my father's flock, when the lion or the bear, where does David live? Right? Sounds like Florida, gators and bears. Anyway, so panthers and just wild boars when we in 2006 we moved from illinois to florida and jody was really afraid of alligators and we moved to south florida and at that time when you when you pulled out of the fort myers airport about every 500 feet there was a sign that said panther crossing right because anywhere a panther ever crossed they put up a sign and so Jody was afraid of gators. We land in Fort Myers to, 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 to look and see if this is where God wants us to be. And, uh, and there's all these signs that say Panther Crossing. We end up moving to Fort Myers. The first, the first Sunday, I'm, I'm at church early. She's got the, 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 the children who are quite small at this time, right? She's doing the whole mom minivan thing. And she drives out of our neighborhood. And right on the main street, there's a dead wild boar on the side of the road. And she said, Ed, where, seriously, where have you brought me? Then we move here. And, and shortly after we move here, there's a story on the news about bears. And I tell her, I said, Jody, it's okay. That's nowhere near us. It's up in Lake Mary. Uh, it's up by where all the woods and stuff are. That's not our neighborhood. Seriously, two weeks later, I come home on a Wednesday night, and there's a 400-pound bear walking down our sidewalk. <laughs> Dave, David, you got nothing on us. Well, we don't have lions roaming the streets, so that's probably it. If you, get, if you get nothing out of our time, nothing else out of our time today, get this. This is this is I believe this is vitally important because I believe this is a, an area where the enemy consistently trips up believers. Here's what happens. David says I'll do it. I'll go into battle. And Saul says, "Okay. Here David, take my armor. Take my armor." And so David puts the armor on and he's standing there and he he can't move. And he says, "You know, king, this is a bad idea. I can't I can't move in these." And all across this room today, there are people that are going into battle and you're trying to wear somebody else's armor. You're trying to wear your pastor's armor. You're trying to wear your favorite television preacher's armor. You're trying to wear your parents' armor. Some of you men, you're trying to wear your wife's spiritual armor. You're trying to wear another person's armor. You cannot wear another person's armor. You can't do it. See, God's word says that you, 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 you are to put on the full armor of God. God did not call you to be like me. God did not call you to be like T.D. Jakes. God did not call you to be like your grandpa. God didn't call you to be like your grandma. He called you to be you. And your armor is going to be unique. It's going to be custom fit for you. And custom fit for the moment. I am um, I run. I, I run regularly. I run, not because I enjoy running, I run because I really love to eat. Um, and if I didn't run regularly, I probably would not be able to get through these doors as much food as I enjoy eating. Some people, some people uh, just eat to live, others live to eat, and I'm a live to eat kind of guy. Okay? So I will run regularly um, to, to help burn calories. And I, I, I went and, and had someone look at the way I run, and I wear the shoes that are really designed for me to run in. Now, the shoes that I run in, Peter, probably would be different than the shoes that you would run in because our gait is probably different. And so it, it's, it's, it's imperative that I have equipment that fits. I've done it. I've tried to fight spiritual battles in another person's armor. I, I've I've wanted to be everything from, um, well, here's the thing. I, I hate to admit it, and it's going to sound it's going to sound like I'm trying to play to the crowd. It, it really isn't okay. Uh, but I've wa- I've 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 wanted to preach like TD Jakes. I can't do it. Um, so I, 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 it, it's not happening. You know, I, I've wanted to. I've wanted to lead like Andy Stanley. Can't can't do that. Um, I was listening yesterday. Uh, D'Amica played us this prayer by John Hagee, and I went, "Oh, I wish I could. I wish I could. I wish I could. I wish I could speak like that. Oh, if I could speak like John Hagee, that would be, that would be awesome. Um, but for some reason, God didn't gift me with that. Right? I'm just not. It's just not my deal. I-, I wish I could speak like Manny. Right? Listen, Manny could make, if, if you had to go for a, for, for a colonoscopy, Manny could get up and convince you that that colonoscopy is anointed. <laughs> Can't he? Come on. Right? You'd be going, come on, colonoscopy! Woo! Well, you might be saying that anyway. That's a whole different, the woo part. That's a, that's a whole different part of the colonoscopy. That's, that's not me. That's not, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't be that. And quite honestly, with my disposition, it would be easy for people to, 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 to misunderstand n- my posture as it relates to the power of God. Now, I might not be a a dancer or a shouter, but let me tell you something. I I believe with every fiber of my being the power of God. Today's Pentecost Sunday. I believe this. I believe the Pentecostal church should be the biggest church in town because we have the best message in, in, in town. The power of God is still available for you today, friend. Signs and wonders shall follow those who believe. You can't try to wear another man's armor. You can't do it. You also also have to be mindful of where strength comes from, where true strength comes from. David goes and he's got his sling. He goes down to the brook and he, he grabs a few smooth stones. He steps out there into the battle line, and Goliath is indignant. Now, here's the thing. If Goliath's motivation was honorable, he would have been elated. But the giants in your life are always interested in one thing, themselves. And so Goliath, as this champion, he's irritated because this is not a victory he's going to be able to talk about and celebrate and, and, and make himself look big. It's not about Philistia. It's not about his people. It's all about him. It's all about his m- massive ego that matches his 9 to 13 foot frame. And so he's irritated, he's angry, and he says, what is this? Do you think I'm a dog that you would send a boy out here to fight me? Come here, you little kid. Come here, you little punk. Because today I'm going to feed your flesh to the beasts of this field and the birds of this air. And David says this. I- I'm sorry, Mr. Goliath. But you seem to be confused. Because you think that the battle is about the sword and the spear. Goliath's armor wears any where it, it would weigh any anywhere from 78 to 156 pounds. His shield, it's or, or his, his spear, rather, it says his spear is a, it's made out of a weaver's rod. A weaver's rod would have been about three inches by three inches. Okay? So about the size of a fence post. It's about 26 feet long, his spear. It's got a 17-pound arrow at the, at, at the tip. His sword would go about 90 pounds. And he's a massive man. And he's convinced that all of that, that his size, that, 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 that the defensive armament that he has, and that his massive, overwhelming spear and his ginormous sword, that it's going to lead him to victory. Can I ask you a question? In what? In what are you counting on for your victory today? In what are you counting on for your victory today? Are you counting on your employer? Are you counting on the government? Are you counting on modern medicine? Are you counting on a neighbor? Are you counting on your pastor? What is it that you're counting on for victory today? And let me ask you a question. How's that going for you? See, to live as a spiritual champion, I cannot follow the crowd. I cannot listen to a critic. And I can't wear another man's armor. And I certainly better recognize how God resources. To live as a spiritual champion, it's very important to know this, that it will always be about more than you, and it will always be about more than the moment. David sees that. David sees that. Listen listen to his response to to Goliath, to this so-called champion. He says, listen, you come against me with sword and spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. And this day, I will feed your flesh to the beasts of the field and the birds of the air. And he says this, this day, the Lord will give, I want you to notice this. He does not say the Lord will give you into my hands. He says this, the Lord will give all of you. Right? In that moment, David recognizes it's not just about the giant in front of him. It's about the nation that's coming against the nation of Israel. And and listen, it's very important. It's very important. It's vitally important that you live as a spiritual champion because your victory is not just for you. Your victory is about your witness. Your victory is about your family. Your victory is about your neighbor. Your victory is about your coworker. Your victory is about your classmates. Your victory is about your entire school. Your victory is about your city. You live in the number seven most unchurched city in America, the number four most de churched city in America. Do you know why? Because the church is not living as a spiritual champion. That's the reason why. And in contrast, friends, here's what's happening. Orlando International Airport is in the process of building 24 additional gates, primarily for international travel. The nations are coming to Orlando. God is positioning us for significance. The question is, will the church rise up and be the spiritual champion that it's called to be? Friend, you are the church. And the victory that God has for you, it's not just for you. You know something that I've learned and, and something that I've been reminded of in recent weeks? The enemy is always talking. The enemy is always talking. Is it that way for you? The enemy is always talking. God tends to communicate in vision. The enemy tends to communicate in word. Word. You don't have what it takes. You're not good enough. That's the sort of stuff the enemy will try to speak over you. But here's what happens is God gives you this vision, right? He he gives you this, this picture, these pictures, even a movie in your in your mind and in your spirit of what he's called you to be. And here's what the enemy's gonna say. You can't do it. You can't make it. You don't have what it takes. You don't come from the right background. You don't, you don't have enough resource. You don't have the right name. You don't look right. And the enemy will always be talking because that's what enemies do. They Talk, 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 talk. Right? Bullies. Talk, 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 talk. Best way to deal with a bully is just punch him right in the nose. So here's what Goliath does. Goliath does this. Goliath takes a step towards David. Come here, come here, you little kid. Now, what does he expect David to do? Oh, oh. right? That's a natural reaction, isn't it? That's a natural reaction when we're operating in our own strength. The story from 1 Samuel 17 is Classic. Goliath takes a step towards David, and David goes, yeah, no, that's not enough. And Scripture tells us this, that David runs towards Goliath. He runs towards Goliath. Drops him with one stone, takes Goliath's ginormous sword, cuts his head off, gives the head... To Saul, is this what you were worried about? Here's my favorite part, my my favorite part of the whole story. You know what happens to the sword? David takes it home. (laughs) David takes it home. The giant in your life today that's carrying a massive sword is actually a trophy that God wants to give you to serve as an ever-present reminder that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And right now, you're fixated on that sword and worried about how it's going to damage you. But instead, what God wants to do is God wants to give you a testimony of provision. He wants to give you a story of healing. He wants this restored relationship to be an example to everyone around you. He wants to move you forward in victory. But how do you get there? Here's how you get there, friend. You've got to make the decision today. I'm done following the crowd. And I'm going to stop listening to that critic. God, help me to be me. Stop trying to copy somebody else's spiritual journey or ride on on their Holy Spirit experience. God, I thank you today that you have brought me to this place to remind me that the battle belongs to the Lord. And that you've brought me to this place to to bring me into victory, not just me, but that my victory would have a ripple effect to all those around me. So let me step into the moment with that confidence that the biggest item that the enemy would bring against me offers the opportunity for the greatest trophy for me to carry forward. I regularly will do this, well, not regularly, but I will occasionally do this. I'll have people stand and talk about, you know, if you've been healed, stand. If, you, if, you, if you've seen God's miraculous provision, stand. I'll tell you in my own life. I. I know how God radically transformed my life from a troubled teenager. I know how God specifically spoke to me about calling to ministry. I know... I know what it's like to to have intense pain in your body and wonder, God, Is this going to be the way the rest of my life is? I've walked through the pain of heartbreak. And I've faced vicious, undeserved attack on my character and my calling. And God has protected my name. He's brought clarity to my calling. He's healed my body. He he has miraculously provided. He's redeemed me. And so with each new battle, I have the opportunity Pause, and to step into that trophy room and go, God, you did it here. You did it here, you did it here, you did it here, you did it here. Have you seen the Liberty Mutual commercial? Right? Where they say, we know a thing or two. God has given you